Thank you for joining us here on Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast where we review your favorite and sometimes not so favorite horror movies. And we also interview indie creators about their upcoming and ongoing Kickstarter campaigns. And today we have a really good episode for you. Well, let's just jump right into it. With me today, we have R.H. Grimley, who's going to be talking about us, to us about the, uh, the series of books that are going to be coming out here shortly, Frightland. Uh, how are you doing today, Rob? Doing so good. How are you doing? Before we jump into the into the project itself, let's go ahead and just get to know you a little bit more. Um, how did you get started in, in this, this genre? I'm from Utah, uh, kind of by Park City area, uh, by Sundance. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Horror's just always been... Something I've enjoyed uh, ever since I was little, you know, grew up with Goosebumps and Scary Stories Till in the Dark and Wait Till Helen Comes, all those classic spooky stories from the 90s. Also grew up on Gremlins and mm-hmm. many a night peeking down the stairs while my dad watched X-Files. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people I've talked, even in, in this podcast, who said that they didn't really get into horror until later in life it just blows my mind because i'm like i've been watching it since i was like four and it, it, i just thought that's where everybody started watching horror. <laughs> yeah yeah i think i mean i used to watch you know all the old black and white ones like creature from the black lagoon and mm-hmm. um you know frankenstein all that stuff when i was little because i just love those i don't know any, anything with a monster in it was cool i grew up near mexico actually in the southern tip of texas and my mom would watch these Mexican horror movies. And sometimes, the, even though they were quote unquote for kids, they were not for kids. And that's how I started actually. So, and then when, of course, when, when I started going to school, we had, and I think I brought it up in the last episode because we just talked about goosebumps. I said that we would have these riff days, reading this fundamental days, where it was like twice at the most four times. I don't, I don't remember if it was every quarter or every, just every semester, they would have free books. You just go in there and get your, your free book. And I would always pick a goosebumps right. books. I'm surprised they had goosebumps. And <laughs> that's how I started with them. Yeah. I just, I just remember, you know, I'm trying to remember what grade I was when goosebumps started getting big, but I just remember seeing the, the cover of, I think it was monster blood Two with the hamster mm-hmm. and slime. And it just like freaked me out. Like I was like, that looks so cool. <laughs> I even said it last time. I would trick my fr- when I trick my friends. I would tell them, "Hey, get you're not going to read your book. Give it, give me, get that book, and I'll and I'll read it." <laughs> Let's talk about what got you to to this point here. Uh, how how did you get into into writing, and even up to the point where you're going to be releasing the series? Uh, yeah, like I mean, I I think I've I've wanted to write books for as long as I can remember. Um, I studied creative writing in college. One day I was <laughs> I was sitting with my son and we saw uh, an ad for masterclass, which is a, uh, a website where they have a bunch of famous people doing masterclasses. And they had a, they had a class by RL Stein. And I was like, that looks Ooh. awesome. Let's do this. So <laughs> me and my, me and my nine-year-old sat down, we watched the entire thing. And I was just so inspired by it. I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do is I want to write something that's just to get kids reading. Like, how it made me want to read when I was a kid. And so I just kind of pitched the idea um, to a, a indie publisher friend of mine and he thought it was cool. So we just went for it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of what inspired the whole thing. I'm um, just kind of as a homage to the books I grew up with, the stories that got me excited to read. Mm-hmm. Hopefully pass that on to the new generation of kids. That's awesome. Like, does it really matter what they're reading? If as long as they get some reading, I mean, of course there's got to put some limits, right? But you know, if it's <laughs> a, Child, child's book written for children and the child's appropriate. Does it really matter if it's in the horror genre? No, I think it actually is. I mean, there's there's a few genres that kids love, but I think I think horror is one that kids love in particular because it's so like it almost feels forbidden, right? Like it's something mm-hmm. that it, it's it's like a rite of passage. Am I brave enough to read this thing? Um, and you know, it just lends itself to, you know, turning the pages late at night with a flashlight because you just have to find out what happens next. So I think it's actually a really good genre to start with personally. Uh, that's what got me into reading. Uh, I mean, even be- before that, I don't remember reading too much at all. And it was the Guzman books that really 
started me. I mean, even in, into high school, that's when I started reading Stephen King. It's because of Goosebumps and Scary Tales to Tell, uh, to tell in the Dark. Yeah, I think I think for me, after Goosebumps, I got super into sci-fi. So I started reading like War of the Worlds and things by H.G. Wells. But yeah, it was, I mean, Goosebumps were, you know, really influential on me. They they were kind of one of my gateway books for sure. I think after Goosebumps, I actually went to Fear Street, which is also R.L. Stein, but, but very uh-huh. in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the your favorite Goosebumps books that you uh, that you remember? Oh, man. Um, I think when I was a kid, I think when I was a kid, my favorites were like Scarecrow Walks at Midnight, Werewolf oh, of yeah. Fever Swamp. Yeah, like I, I had a bunch that I, I loved as a kid. Oh, uh, the uh, uh, what's Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns. I love that one, too. As an adult, my cha- my taste has changed a little bit. I love I love all the art. I absolutely love the art on the front cover. That's that's half the fun. But I really like Welcome to Dead House now. Like I I don't know if I even read that one when I was a kid, but I really liked it. It was it, I was surprised at how crazy the ending got. Like the, it's it's Not pretty darker nuts. than the rest of them. Yeah. yeah, there's like I mean it's funny because I I've, I've heard Arl Stein say that he want you know if he was to rewrite that he would have taken a lighter tone with it. Cause he was still yeah. trying to figure out what the books were, but I, I really like that one. Like it's, it's super intense, you know, for goosebumps books. I even think the, the television series, even the episode, even though it's uh, quite different, it did a pretty good job at adapting what it, what it did for what, 22 minutes of television. I've, I've actually haven't seen very many goosebumps episodes. Oh, um, really? that was, <laughs> yeah, that actually, those actually started coming out like, when I was getting to the point where I was moving on to, to bigger books. Ah, so I never, I never really watched the TV episodes. You're like, uh, like my co-host Greg, who, who was like, I really can't be watching that in public or I can't be catch- <laughs> watching that if I wanted to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm old school books. hundred <laughs> percent. Just to throw my, my favorites in there. The haunted mask has always been, uh, one of my favorites, uh, yeah. one of the ones that I remember reading, but also uh, how it got my shrunken head. That one, <laughs> I feel like that one's more. Uh, I think that's more sci-fi than than horror. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones that I really remember. Oh, and the headless ghost is uh, one of the ones that I remember. I haven't read that one. I'll check that one out. Yeah, I think the haunted mask is probably, in my opinion, like the most iconic image from Goosebumps. Like just that the cover picture is so cool. I personally like a haunted mask better than night of the living dummy. The two haunted masks books compared to the night of the living dummy series. I, I, I think night of the living dummy has gotten a little bit more, I guess, mainstream or more attention, but I still prefer <laughs> the haunted mask. Yeah. We'll get into the, into the, into the project here shortly, but have you worked on any other projects before this? Uh, yeah. So this is, this is actually my first book series, um, and I wanted to I, I wanted to do a series rather than just a book because I, I think it's it's easier to get kids excited about it when there's more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, I also uh, am a filmmaker. I work in in film and media, um, working on television series and things like that. But yeah, writing is just something that I've always I guess storytelling is what I like to do. Yeah, I think this is just a natural progression from <laughs> from filmmaking for me. <laughs> How hard is it to actually put a story down in, in into writing? Because I feel like I'm always like a I've always been a storyteller, but I can't write it. I can I can only say it like uh, verbally. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, it's you know there's there's a couple aspects of it. One is coming up with the ideas, and that's that's its own difficult thing. And then the other is just learning how to you know compose the prose so that it sounds nice mm-hmm. and is is easily readable. With Frightland, what I what I wanted to do was I wanted to make it as appealing as possible to kids. So I actually came up with just a whole bunch of cool sounding titles. I think I had fifty of them, and then I sent out a survey to a bunch of kids and was just like, "Okay, pick your top 10. And you know, we went through there and found out which were the most popular ones. And then from there, it was just a matter of, "Okay, I've got this cool title, so what's the story about?" And you know, wrote like a, a paragraph long synopsis of it and then the real work is outlining and i think that's the big trick to being able to get your story from your head to paper is to not just start writing the book because if you just start to write the book you'll get like a page in and you'll have total writer's block because you won't know where to go next but if you really sit down and outline so you just have like you know bullet points of i want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen 
it really helps you break down the story easily so you can see it all, see what's working, what's not working. It just makes it easier to envision the whole story. And then when you actually get to writing the story, it goes super quick. Now, is there a, any complications when you're trying to, let's say, write for like the middle, what is it, middle school age, right? Or what, yeah. what are we? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the age group that I'm shooting for is, you know, from basically ages nine through 12. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, they have different... The hard thing is you just want, don't want to use words that are too hard for kids, right? Because if you use too many big words, it's easy for them to get pulled out of it because they have to, you know, either either look up the word, which most kids won't do, or they just skip over it and start getting lost. Um, so that's that's really the big thing is just kind of keeping your sentences a little bit shorter and then not using super complicated words. Um, but other than that, it's pretty. I find it really freeing to write for kids because you can you can go as zany as you want and they'll totally buy it as long as it works in the story. Um, you know, when you get to writing for teenagers or, or people older than that, you have to be pretty realistic with your writing. I, I noticed like ever since I, even when I started in the podcast till now, I've been more critical when it comes to like any series or any type of uh, anything that I watch on TV. Like, uh-huh. well, why did that character do this or that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. And Yes, I still see that in in um, in children's book, but I, I I guess I don't know how to say it. I guess I I'm a little bit more open to what might happen just because it is written for children. Not necessarily that it, that it's that it's um, I don't want to say the word dumbed down because it's not. I, I don't know if I'm making sense what I'm trying to say. No, yeah, no, that that totally makes sense because you know you expect adults to act a certain way. If they're, if they're acting like idiots, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, you, you can get away with one, I guess, you know, one or two comedic characters who are just dumb. But after that, it just starts to sound ridiculous. But with kids yeah. books, you know, I mean, a kid's motivation can be as simple as like just curiosity, like and they can mm-hmm. do something totally dumb because they're they're learning as they do it. And they realize that that was a dumb mistake. I think that's the important thing, though, is. You got to make sure the kid is learning from the dumb mistakes they make. So let's talk about the the Kickstarter campaign. It is running right now, as, and as of right now, you're already uh, fully funded, right? Uh, yeah, we're hundred and fifty percent funded currently. And just going through um, a couple of of um, what's it called stretch goals. Yeah, we're hoping to we're hoping to get I'm hoping to get to about the ten thousand dollar range um, total. Because uh, that'll help us with, we have, you know, we have our, this is what we're going to do, but then there's a couple extra things that we'd like to do, like more illustrations in the books. Um, we we kind of want to do an audio book. That's our next stretch goals. We've, we've never, the, the indie publisher I'm working with has never done an audio book before. And we mm-hmm. found a really talented guy that we're uh, kind of excited with just to kind of experiment with that. Um, so he's, he's, if we hit the $7,000 mark, we're gonna be able to hire him. He'll do the first book in the series and we'll just test that out, see if it's worth doing more. Um, but yeah, we're the, the problem. The biggest problem we have is getting really good art for the covers because you know, they, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but you totally do. Right. Like you, you it's look the first thing it, you see. <laughs> yeah. Especially, especially with, you know, kids books is they, they pick it up and if they, if it looks cool, then they're going to open it. And um, in the indie publishing world, it's pretty hard to get cool covers, which is why we ended up going to uh, Tim Jacobus because he, you know, I mean, he did all the goosebumps <laughs> covers. He's the man, right? I was I was just gonna ask how how was it? How did you get uh, Tim Jacobus to to come on uh, to do to do the cover art? Well, I, so I didn't work with him directly. My, my publishing buddy, uh, Scott Baird, he's, he's the one that, that worked with him, but Tim is by all accounts, he's a really nice guy. Um, we, he just reached out and talked to him and basically Tim laid out, you know, his terms with with his pricing and stuff. And, um, it was able, he was able to fit it into his schedule. So we went for it and yeah, he was super, super easy to work with and super professional and, I recommend working with them if you ever need some really good art. <laughs> I, I feel like that's just like a one of those little badge of honors. And when you're doing a, a book series that is inspired by Goosebumps, to be able to get a book cover from 
the guy who did the covers for Goosebumps. But if he didn't do all of them, he did like 99% of those book covers. Yeah, he did. He did all of the first uh, series except for two. Um, mm. So, yeah, like it's yeah, it's cool. I was I was super nerding out like when he sent the comps. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, look at that. That's amazing. Um, and then the cool thing was, is he doesn't actually. So before um, right now, he does most of his painting digitally, but he still draws the initial sketch by hand, like with pencil so that he can get all oh, the, uh, yeah. you know, the angles and the, the view, right. So it looks good to him. And then he scans that into a computer and then paints on top of that. Um, and he normally doesn't like let those go, but he actually sent us the original pencil sketch. So I like, I have it right here on my desk and it's so cool. Oh, it's nice. original, original Tim Jacobus art. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and I did see um, that he, he actually put it on his Instagram um, that he was doing these. Yeah. Uh, and Arl Stein commented on it, which was like, I did see that <laughs> ever. <laughs> I did see that. I mean, I, once again, that's, I mean, that's another, I mean, just like I said, if, if you, if you're going to get some, someone to, to comment about anything that was related to what you're doing, it's going to be the people who inspired it. Right. Yeah. Like it was, you know, I mean, you know, my life's fulfilled is kind of the feeling I had. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and uh, get into the into the project. We're going to go ahead and play a uh, quick trailer from the Kickstarter. You know that feeling you get when you pass an abandoned house and you just know something's there watching you from the upstairs window? Or when you're lying in bed awake and you hear the boards in the attic creak above you. Or when you're in the woods at night and the moon is shining full and you hear a sound across the wind and you know you're not alone. When the hairs on your neck stand up straight and your pulse begins to quicken. There's something hiding just out of sight. Something you know isn't human. It's getting late and getting dark, and you haven't got your phone. Do you take the shortcut through the graveyard and risk never getting home? Why the frightened face, my friend? Aren't you having fun? Will you dare to face your fears or turn tail and run? All right, so really good uh, trailer for for the Kickstarter. Really something that really captures uh, your attention. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it was a lot of work. So who who was that? Who was that uh, narrator? Uh, his name's Christopher Escalante. Uh, he was a guy I knew. He used to live in Utah. I think he's moved, but I keep in contact with him through Facebook. And yeah, he's really versatile, and recommend him for voiceovers. <laughs> How do you want to go ahead and do? Do you want to talk about each book individually? How, uh, do you want to talk about the whole project altogether? Yeah, this is Frightland. It's my uh, homage to all the books I grew up with when I was little, and you know, it was written specifically for the intent of getting kids to to want to read. Especially nowadays with you know the iPhone era, where everybody's got a cell phone, kids are always playing games. Not there's anything wrong with that, um, but it'd be fun to get kids to you know back to reading a little bit. But yeah, it's a it's a scary series, and we have a lot of fun in, in it. Brand new adventures. It's you know obviously inspired a lot by Goosebumps, but a little bit modernized. Um, I don't shy away from cell phones and those sort of things. It's ki- modern day kids having modern day adventures, and I like to think that it gets a little bit a little bit more crazy than the original Goosebumps did, just because I think kids these days are, you know, they're a little. A little bit tougher. They they grew up with crazy Marvel movies and things, so they they can stand a little <laughs> bit more excitement. Well, you have the samples on, on the on the Kickstarter, and I gotta say, love the love the samples, uh, the previews that I, that I read. I read both the the Wildman and Shaggy Creek. I gotta say, I want to get the book and read it right now, but <laughs> I'll have to wait. Coming um, soon. Coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what, uh, what other information do you have about the project? 
So one thing that I don't talk a whole lot about on the Kickstarter itself, which maybe I should, um, is that it's as much as it's influenced by, you know, the classic goosebumps and scary stories tell in the dark and that sort of thing. Um, it's also really influenced by HP Lovecraft. Each it's an anthology series. So each book is its own story and you don't need to read them in any particular order, but, um, there are little Easter eggs and little connections thrown throughout the series. And then once I finish the the first 12 books, there's going to be a 13th book, which will be a little bit bigger than the rest of them. That's going to be uh, kind of its own adventure that brings the whole world together. Um, there'll be characters from the other books that all get joined together and have to fight nice. the big baddie. But it's it's really influenced a lot by lo- the Lovecraftian universe. Um, in fact, the second book, Why I Don't Sleep on Feather Beds, is literally it's an adaptation of a color out of space um, by Lovecraft, which is an awesome book. If you've never read it. Um, and yeah, it's, I'd say, I mean, it, it comes together as, you know, a cross between goosebumps, gremlins and a color out of space and just sticks them all together. And it, it turns into a pretty ma- mad, crazy mess by the end of it. So it's, it's pretty fun. I really like it. And how long um, can we expect each uh, book to, to be? Um, they'll be about, uh, you know, 120, 130 kid-sized pages, just about 23,000 words per book, um, which is, you know, kind of a standard. That's actually the, the Goosebumps standard size. So we were, we're really trying to you know, <laughs> emulate those stories. Not too small, not too big. Yeah, just, just long enough to make you stay up all night under the covers and have your mom yell at you to put the book away. <laughs> it's the perfect length. Because I think, it, especially for kids, when it gets too long, you might lose them somewhere there and they might not finish it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, even as an adult, so there's sometimes where I'll, I'll be reading, let's say, like a Stephen King book. And I'm like, oh, man, this is I like it and all, but it's it's getting a little bit <laughs> too long winded or something, you know, uh, which <laughs> it is is a strength of, of Stephen King. But at, at times it does. It does. You need to take a break from it. Yeah, you for sure. You don't need to worry about this getting long winded. Like, I mean, you know, there's there's some chapters where I get to like three pages, and I'm like, I think the chapter's done, <laughs> and move on. You know, end, end it on the cliffhanger and move on. Well, yeah, the um, the sample page. I think there was one that was like two pages. One of the one of the chapters. Just just whatever it needs to, to tell the story. So, and I, like I said, it it feels like it's uh, very much part of the goosebumps uh the way it's written uh the way even the the chapters break is feels like if you were reading a goosebumps book like you know e- even um you know how Stein used to do it back in the day where you would be left like on a cliffhanger just to mm-hmm. turn the page and they'll be like ah <laughs> you got me yeah uh, you know you know what i mean yeah I, one of, that's that's one of the few things that i've tried to really shy away from though is th- that always like that always kind of disappointed me when I turned the page and it's like, Oh, it's supposed to <laughs> so I tried to make the cliffhangers like, you know, actual cliffhangers so that when you turn the page, it's, it's a continuation, but not, not like a cheap trick, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with the cheap trick that I think that really has its place. Um, especially in kids books. Cause it's, it's a good way to keep, you know, keep kids reading, but just me personally, mm-hmm. I, I'd rather have it be like, you know, something really is there or, you know, something like that versus just the, you know, oh, it's 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 just his brother. You're fine. <laughs> um, it works really good, but if you do it in like 13 times in in the same story, you're like, it's kind of like a jump scare, right? You know, a good yeah. jump scare is is always welcomed, but when every single moment there's a jump scare, you're like, okay, we know it's not going to be it. Just to, for them finally to when when it finally does happen, you're like, finally, you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I try to keep it down to one per book. <laughs> this uh, longer book, the one you said at the end of the, I guess, um, I think you say something like the, the Avengers Assembled kind of thing uh, at the end yeah, of the, the, end of the series. How long is that going to be? Do you have a, a a range of how big that book is going to be? Um, it's It'll depend on if I decide to do, like I could do like a trilogy of, you know, shorter books that are the same length as, the the oh, typical okay. one 120 pages or if i decide to just put them together as one book i don't know it, it'll just oh. depend on what i think is the better marketing strategy <laughs> so 
what kind of uh, tiers do you have? What can the backers get when they when they back this project? Oh, just um, there are you know your basic ebook tiers and your hardcover tiers. Which you should get you should get the uh, or sorry not hardcover your ebook tiers and your paperback tiers. And you should for sure get the paperbacks because that's the whole point of a book, right? Like it's cooler when it's an actual book. Um, but we also have a couple of deluxe tiers, uh, hardcover, limited edition. There's only going to be 25 of them printed ever. Um, and then we even have our kind of our top level tiers. We've got like a, a character cameo. So you or someone you love can be in the story, which would be kind of fun. Um, and then book dedications. And then the cool one is we actually have the, the Tim Jacobus, sorry, pardon me, the Tim Jacobus pencil sketch, the original pencil sketch for the wild man of Shaggy Creek, which is the first book in the series is mm-hmm. uh, one of the tier levels, which I hope somebody goes for that. Cause it's super cool and totally deserves to be in a Tim Jacobus fan club collection. If I could totally, totally afford that, I would totally go in there and, and do that. I love horror. I love indie horror. I love, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff. And the only way for it to keep going is to not on, not necessarily only to, to put money into it. Right. But get the word out. And I think this is what really what this, this uh, podcast is all about is to bring the stuff to the attention of, of the, of the listeners and ask them not, if you can't put money into it, at least share it, let other people get their eyes on it. Yeah, that's, I mean, and, you know, I'm super grateful for that because that's the only way that we're able to do this sort of project is, you know, we can, we can do it for fun, I guess. But the only way that we can keep doing it is by having people, you know, buy the book. Yeah, that's, that's one of the um, good ways, guys. Like, like I said, maybe you can't do it today. Maybe you can't do it today. But, you know, maybe in the next one, you, you can do it. But at the very least, share the link. If you think you know somebody who know, who might might be interested in this share the link and get the word out there and keep get the you know keep the ball rolling with the project you've already talked about a couple of the, of the team members that were people working on the with you uh any anyone else that you haven't mentioned oh yeah um yeah so we were able to get some some really cool artists to be a part of it um obviously tim jacobus is a master and of you know basically he did every book you ever loved as a kid he did the cover for it uh, spine tinglers, bone chillers, obviously goosebumps, and just tons of other titles. He's he is my favorite, you know, artist ever, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then we were also able to get um, an, another great artist uh, from Buenos Aires, actually, named Flavio Greco. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm probably going to butcher it, but Peglia, it's Flavio. Anyway, he's he did our our second cover for uh, Why I Don't Sleep Under Feather or Why I Don't Sleep on Feather Beds. And it's like, you know, it is right out of an 80s, like, horror movie. Like, I love it. It's so cool. Um, there's just all these. Uh, you'll have to go check it out on the the uh, Kickstarter. But there's just these eggs and this thing coming out of the bed. It's, it's amazing. Um, and then we also wanted to do, um, obviously, you know, a lot of the books we read didn't have illustrations. But Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark did. And that was half the fun of it. So we wanted to at least put a few illustrations in the book. So we got... Um, David Romero, who draws terrifying, creepy stuff, like freaky stuff that I don't think parents would approve of. Um, but you know, we asked <laughs> him to tone it down just a little bit. And, uh, so he's doing illustrations for wild on a shaggy Creek and they're so uh, dude, uh, they're cool looking like they're creepy. Um, and then I have, uh, my buddy, Dan, my buddy, Daniel Brown, uh, he does, he actually does inkings like with real paper and ink and he's doing the the second book. And it's just really cool, kind of atmospheric, fun, you know, ink drawings. So I think they're gonna they're gonna be really fun when they're done. Put all oh man, that helps. That helps the the um, just the imagination is is great and all, right? But when you actually can see like this, the house, you, you go into detail on how it looks, and you know, you start thinking in, in in your mind and how it might look. But when you see it like this, and like, oh, okay, that's what they're walking into. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I just think the art is just is just fun. Like it, just good spooky art. I think you know, especially for a kid, that can totally, totally liven up the, the you know the fear factor. Um, I'm kind of excited for for uh, Dave Romero's pictures with 
the wild man of shaggy creek because i've seen what is coming and it'll you know mm-hmm. it'll practically be a jump scare in and of itself when the kid turns the page and there's this face right there and it's going to be great <laughs> <laughs> well like i said i was looking at it right now as, as you're talking and it does have that uh, it's not an exact right as, as scary stories but it you can tell like, you know, you, you, you have that, that kind of like, um, the, I don't even know how to say it. It, it, it looks like it's for lack of better words, like melting <laughs> the contrast of the black and the, and the dark and the, and, and the, and the light, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really, it's almost like a, a nightmare, like what you would see. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. can kind of see what you're looking at, but you're not really sure. It just makes it, you know, super creepy to me. Yeah. No, it looks, it looks awesome. And you have something on here called the the fan club. Oh yeah. Uh, so we also we also have a fan club uh, that we're putting as part together as part of this Kickstarter um, because I feel like every good book series should have a fan club, um, which I think it'll be fun. I'm excited to do it because um, you'll get you know you'll get stickers and and things like that, but you also get like a a bi monthly newsletter that'll have like short stories and, and other things like that just to kind of you know, keep the, keep the fun going all year long. You already told us there's, it's a, you said 12 book, right? 12 book um, planned series. So once the, once the Kickstarter is over, um, we, we are scheduled to deliver end of August um, is, is when we're supposed to finish delivering the books. It'll be all four books at once. So you'll get, they might come in separate packages because of the way that Amazon fulfillment works. Um, Mm -hmm. But you'll get all four books at once. And then uh, probably about October, I think, we'll probably launch um, online on Amazon so that other people can buy the books. Kickstarter is fun because it allows you to make it an, as an indie publisher and an indie author. Mm-hmm. It lets you do it as an event, right? Like it's like it's like a big you know book party launch thing that mm-hmm. people can jump in, help bring it to life. Um, if we were just to try to do it without a Kickstarter the art wouldn't be as cool because we wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not cheap. <laughs> it's, it's not cheap, which is really why the Kickstarter is important. Cause that that's allowing us to get these cool covers to really make it that, you know, that experience of, you know, that we had back in the nineties when we read goosebumps. Right. Is there anything that has surprised you about the whole Kickstarter um, venture? Uh, yeah, I was, we got on the front page of bloody disgusting, which I was super surprised. Oh, yeah. about. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, that's, that's about as cool as it gets online in the horror mm-hmm. genre. Um, I mean, that's so something that, that, that's something that um, if I can, if we could ever get noticed on them, we'd be like, that's it. We're closing down. That, uh, we've made it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that actually, um, and it actually helped a lot. We, we got a, we got, we got quite a, a jump in backers there uh, when, when that article came out. No, I've just been super excited about the enthusiasm, you know, around, around the books. Um, you know, it's, it's when you're doing a, you know, nostalgia filled homage to stuff you loved when you're growing up, I think there's always, there's always this risk of, of worrying that people are going to be like, Oh, you're just ripping off this, this other guy. Um, you know, but our, really our goal was, I don't think you can have too much, too much horror books for kids. (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, like we just really wanted to, I mean, me personally, I just really wanted to create something that's fun, new adventures, you know, kind of following that classic formula, but updating it a little bit for kids art of, of this, you know, current age and really try and do my part to get kids excited for reading. So it's, it's been a fun project. I really like how you put on there that it's chilling tales for uh, of terror for kids and adults. I, th- I I feel like we've been told that our generation is really um, more into nostalgia more than any other generation. And I I mean even growing up, even when I was still in, in um, right out of high school, I always sort of hear like, oh, do you remember? Do you remember the nineties? Do you remember the nineties? And it was just like it was just the it was not, it was what, 10 years ago. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's something that really, it's just going to bring people in. I mean, I'm going to want to read these. Uh, as soon as I saw, I actually saw this a couple of weeks ago, but I was out of town and I'm like, okay, well maybe next week I'll, I'll reach out. And then I was out of town again. 
<laughs> so I was like, oh man, uh, I better reach out now because I don't want to. I don't want the the Kickstarter to end before I get you on the show. Oh, appreciate appreciate that. Yeah, I I mean, you know, it's just like I think there's a reason that we have fun with nostalgia. I mean, you know, Stranger Things is like obviously that that whole show is you could you could say is nothing but a nonstop nostalgia trip. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, but who you can't blame them. The eighties was so cool. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the eighties and, and early nineties horror sci-fi, like it was just so fun. Um, you know, and I, I like new stuff too, but it just doesn't have the same tactile feel to it. Um, you know, like, I mean, I, I was watching gremlins when I was, that's how old was I? I probably saw gremlins for the first time when I was, four and like you know it terrified me but i loved it it was so cool (laughs) um and just to you know just to kind of relive that kind of feeling but you know make it modern i mean that like i mean the kids in my stories they they all have cell phones and they use them it's just fun to to put modern day kids into those same situations where you know suddenly they're in over their heads and their parents can't help them or they don't believe them and they just have to use their own ingenuity to overcome whatever it is. That's, you know, whatever this monster is. And, uh, yeah, I just think that's, you know, the classic adventure coming of age story that, you know, is so universal to everybody. Um, and is one of the draws to the genre. Fear now how to, to get out of a tight space that so that for the most part you put yourself in right and, yeah um, exactly and it's it it's a good thing like like it well, like in Guzman, it's how the kids and and um how they would find a way out of it on their own for the most part and it's it's a, i think it's really good for us to or i would say for us but as kids to to read that that we don't like we can find our own way, you know, we don't necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that, um, like there's a lot of really good things about the way that kids are brought up nowadays. Like, you know, there's, there's a lot about, um, there, there's a lot of good points about how, how we raise kids nowadays, um, with, you know, talking about feelings, all those sort of things that, you know, we didn't do back in the Mm nineties. Um, but I think what we have lost with childhood is that sense of danger you know, that you can, you can go outside and, you know, ride your bike down the road and you have no idea what's down there. Right. Like it's like with the internet, everything's so open. You can just look up anything. You can Google anywhere. Um, but you know, back, you know, back when we were kids, it was, you know, the outside world was scary and you had to, you had to overcome that. And so I, I, I love that, you know, I think that's one of the draws of the horror genre, especially with these, these mm-hmm. kids books, like, you know, wait till Helen comes and goosebumps and all this kind of different things is it's, you know, kids had to overcome their fears by themselves. And so that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping to bring to, to a new generation of kids is just that, that fun sense of adventure and danger. Yeah. Just no matter how scary things get, you can be brave enough to overcome those fears. And I think that's a life skill that you learn through horror. <laughs> So let's talk about the the books. Sir. The first one is The Wild Man of Shaggy Creek. Um, what can you tell us about this particular book? <laughs> it's a Bigfoot story. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to. No, I I I love you know I that's the other thing I I loved growing up was cryptids and that sort of thing. Before that was a term, mm-hmm. you know, like it, you know Bigfoot, UFOs, all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to write a Bigfoot book. Um, but kind of twisted a little bit so that the ending wasn't what you're expecting. So it's got, it's got a fun ending, uh, that definitely has a twist, um, that you, you won't see coming. That's always the best ones. I think it's really, and like I said, um, if you all go to the, the Kickstarter, you'll be able to get a a couple of pages on here. Just the way you, you, you introduce the, uh, the wild men of Shaggy Creek, uh, the smell, you know, and, I want to be honest with you. When I was reading this, I was like, "Man, did he? Did he? Um, did he read my my mind? Did he? Because I actually have a, and this is like a kind of an aside here, and it'll, it'll make it on the podcast. But I've told this, I've told this story on another podcast actually, 
I have a uh, possible Bigfoot encounter as a kid. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And, and I don't think I've ever said it here on this podcast. It, I was asked to go out, take out trash, right? Because I hadn't done it earlier in the day. So now it's like at 10 at night and I'm having to take the trash out. So I go out to take the trash and across the street at one of the houses, I see something moving around. It, and it's, it wasn't too dark. It was, it was, you have all the street lights you have. And I see something move around and I'm like, what in the world is that? So I just keep looking. And for whatever reason, I don't know why I couldn't see what it was. I couldn't tell if it was a person. I couldn't tell it was, it was huge. I can tell that. Um, and the way it moved, it, it kind of like, like hunched over with his arms, like kind of like dangling kind of, but I, for some reason I felt scared. Um, no reason. I didn't run. I didn't scream like that. I just had that sense of fear in me. Uh-huh. So I'm there with a the trash can. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, what am I seeing? And all of a sudden, it just takes off running. And to where I grew up, it was a subdivision. But right across the street from that, there was a cornfield. And all of a sudden, it takes off running. And I just see it go into the cornfield. And I never saw it again. Unfortunately, this I also blame this Bigfoot creature on the death of my dog <laughs> because um, my, I had a hound dog, right? And he got uh-huh. loose. And one of the neighbors actually had livestock. He had chickens. And they had noticed that the chickens were coming up dead. Well, my hound dog got loose one night and we weren't able to get find him. The next morning we found him. He got shot by the farmer. My thing is I blame blame for fear of my dog's death. <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like he was the one getting the chickens and, and my dog got and took the bullet for him. So uh, oh, we man. joke around when the, on the, on, with, with Greg and it's like a Bigfoot's my mortal enemy. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's actually the first time I say it on this, on this podcast. I think I've, I've acknowledged it before in the past, but it's the first time I say the story. Um, originally I had said it on, um, I have a strange story podcast. Oh man, that is, that is like a scene right out of the book. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. He like, you know, he, he wake, the kid wakes up and, uh, just hears a, this weird noise and he looks out his window and can see this thing running around and there's always that smell. And his parents are like, it's, you know, they think it's just skunks or something, but you know, he just yeah. knows it's not. Oh, so yeah. So this is going to be my favorite book. I'm pretty sure. I'll see if I don't have any, any, um, nightmares with this, with this guy here. <laughs> All right. So book number two, why I don't sleep on feather beds. What are, what can you tell us about this and what is the inspiration or? Yeah. The, um, so why I don't sleep on feather beds is it's my, it's, it's my love. One of my Lovecraftian uh, episodes as it were in the series. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost a retelling of a loose retelling of a Colorado space by HP Lovecraft. Um, and some kids that get dropped off at their great aunt's farm out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, anyway, one the, the boy, the youngest kid, uh, he ends up having to sleep in the attic on this feather bed by himself, which is already creepy enough. Uh, but then he starts <laughs> to notice that there's something inside of the bed that moves around. There's just, it's like this, these lumps and they just are moving around while he's sleeping. And, and so one day he decides he's going to figure out what they are and he cuts open the bed and he finds more than he's bargained for, and it gets pretty, pretty fun, pretty zany. Uh, you know, almost, almost turns into like a, a gremlin esque situation. A lot of craziness going on, and it ends in a, a fantastic cinematic finale, if I can use that term for books. The uh, Goosebumps book or a cover that this reminds me of, and it isn't not necessarily because it actually looks like it at all but it's um uh eggs from mars uh monster eggs from mars oh egg monsters like from mars yeah <laughs> yeah there you go yeah uh it, like i said it doesn't necessarily look like the cover but it, it just the eggs themselves it, it reminds me of that that um that book yeah i love seeing the uh so with with the artists you know we give them like a general description of what the cover mm-hmm. should be but we just kind of let them run with it. Right. So like his interpretation of what I was describing is it's a little different than what's actually in the book, but I don't think it matters because the point of it is just to look awesome and make you Mm want to open the book. Um, Although although, that's how Tim went with uh, the original goosebumps. Yeah. And with, uh, with wild and a shaggy Creek, I mean, first of all, Tim, Tim was excited because he's never actually painted a Bigfoot before. 
I mean, he's oh, done, nice. he's done it. He's done it. <laughs> abominable snowman, obviously. Um, yeah, but he yeah. never actually painted a Bigfoot, and he just went for it. And that, I mean, I saw that and I was like, "Whoa, that is a big Bigfoot! That thing, that kid, that tent is a goner." And that was that was perfect. That's what we want. So, um, book number three, the bones at the bottom of the lake. No cover, unfortunately, yet. But uh, yet. what can you tell us about this one? Uh, this one is a a classic ghost story. At least it starts off as a classic ghost story. Um, two kids are they're with their family and they're going on vacation at an Airbnb in the Adirondacks and they have this little lakeside cabin and, uh, the, one of the kids, uh, hooks, hooks a, uh, a corpse on his fishing line and, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, just kind of, just kind of goes from there. It's, it's actually, um, I would say it's probably the scariest of the four. Um, you know, I, I really, I, th- I think that one will actually give kids the real willies there might be a couple of sleepless <laughs> nights and parents might hate that one, but yeah, it, it gets pretty spooky. And then the end is just kind of, it's really fun. It's a fun ending. Can't wait to hear to see that one. And the fourth one, I feel like this one is the most, uh, the, the title actually, you know what? I'm gonna take that back because I feel like all of them, um, actually are very, they follow that same goosebumps line of, of the way the way that you actually put named them, um, the donut shop of doom. Um, I'm really interested to see what this one's going to look like. This one was when I was coming up with all the the different names. This one just kind of jumped out as more of a joke. I was like, oh, that's kind of a funny name, so I just threw it on there, <laughs> and it turned out to be our most popular name when I sent out the survey to the kids. Um, like it it won by a long shot over all of them. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Now I got to figure out a story to go with it. Um, and <laughs> figure out a story I did. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It's, um, so it's the first book of the series that I think really starts to, um, delve into the overall mythology of the entire series. Um, so it's, it's kind of the first clues into where, you know, that 13th book is going to go. Um, it's very, very cosmic horror, very Lovecraftian. Um, but basically there's a, a donut shop that opens and everybody in town is obsessed with it. And this one kid is trying to figure out like why everybody thinks it's so good. And he goes there and the guy who owns the donut shop totally weirds him out. Like he's just this really bizarre kind of creepy in your face guy. And, you know, the, this kid wants an apple fritter, but they don't have any apple fritters. So the guy, the donut shop owner tells him to come back. He keeps coming back and there's never any apple fritters, but he starts to notice that everybody in town is starting to act a little weird. Um, and it gets, yeah, there's a uh, interdimensional monsters uh, get involved in it. And it's, uh, yeah, very, very cosmic horror and definitely an ode to Lovecraft. You've got me hooked um, on on the two that I haven't even uh, had some previews on. So like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm down for all four of <laughs> them and I can't wait for, for <laughs> uh, the plan for the rest of the books from uh, Brook five to, to, to 13. Uh, how's that going to, is it going to be Kickstarter or is, or is it going to be uh, one book at a time? How are you going to do the four books at a time as well? Um, you know, I'm not really sure that'll be up to what the publisher wants to do. Um, I think the plan, at least for now, is to probably do another set of four. I, 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 yeah, I think the plan is to do it, release it in sets of four, um, probably with a Kickstarter. Unless it does, if it does really well on Amazon, then maybe we'll change it to where we release, you know, a title every other month and just kind of, you know, follow that model. Um, mm-hmm. But currently, I think we'll probably do another Kickstarter. It's really, again, it's the Kickstarter is nice because it really helps you launch the book well. Um, you know, it's given us the highest quality of art we can get. Um, versus if we just did it ourselves, we'd have a lot less resources. You know, it's it's an indie publisher that I'm going through, and mm-hmm. uh, and they mostly do sci-fi and fantasy for adults, which is a totally different ballgame. So to get that super high quality art for kids is like. A, a lot higher cost of entry. So this, it's really, the Kickstarter is really allowing us to do it. I encourage anybody who who can 
make that pledge. You're not going to want to miss out on this. And if you definitely, if you were a a fan of Goosebumps, you're going to want to get these. I would love for you to come back uh, when when uh, the rest of the, the books come out. If, even if you want to go over a movie with us, we, we would love to have you coming back and we, we can definitely do that and just keep us up to date with, with how this series is going. Absolutely. For sure. So, well, let me ask you this real quick. Um, you've, you've said gremlins, but, uh, what is your favorite horror movie? I put you on the spot. <laughs> My favorite. Oh <laughs> man, that's, that is, that is a good question. Um, hang on. Let me think. Oh, th- that's a hard question. Cause there's so many subgenres. Um, you know, I real I think sometimes I, it's I, easier to say what's your favorite genre of horror. Dude, I love I love sci-fi horror probably the most. Um I love classic black and white horror a lot. I think if I was have to have to pick a movie overall of of every movie I've ever seen. Oh no, I can't even. Oh, it's so hard. I love the original black and white King Kong. I think that's one of the greatest monster movies ever made. I love Creature from the Black Lagoon. I love The Thing from Another World, the old Howard Hawks one. I think that's fantastic cinema. Um, you know, more recent things. I love. I love Gremlins. Gremlins has got to be one of my favorites, though, because I just, I just love the whole concept. Like, it's so fun. I'll put but this on um, as a, I guess, a homework for you. Choose a movie, and we'll have you. Come back as long as we haven't done it before. We'll have you come back on the podcast as well to to talk about it. Sweet. Do you guys do you guys do old uh, old black and white ones? Pretty much as long as we can uh, find it and to watch it without having pretty much to pay for it. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, we'll do it. Uh, anything that we may have uh, forgotten or just not talked about that you would want to go over? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Um. What's the name of the of uh, the publisher? Uh, Bard Press is the name of the publisher. Uh, I'll make sure to put the description. Not only I'll put the link to to them in the description, but also the Kickstarter and any anything that you want to go ahead and include on there. Just make sure um, they want the listeners to go ahead and, and look up. We'll put it in there and make sure they they can find it. Okay, excellent, Rob. I want to thank you for very much for taking the time and. Like I said, we, we kind of just did this in, the, in a couple of days. So thank you very much for being available so so fast and um, and willing to be, to to talk to me about about this project. No problem. Enjoyed enjoyed being on the show. We'll see you guys next time. Next time, um, I'm not sure what we're gonna do next time. Actually, uh, we'll have to get with uh, Greg and David and um, possibly do uh, a new movie review. Uh, hopefully, not too old. We'll release it somewhere on Twitter or whatever we're doing. You guys let us know how what you guys uh, thought of this episode and uh, just reach out to us. We'd like to hear what your thought of the of the podcast is going and what the recent most recent episode. See you guys next time here on Nerd from the Crypt. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast.